0: Thank you so much for uh, tuning in to another edition of the Stripe Show podcast. It is Froggy Wednesdays, and you know, every single week we get a tour player on to talk about what's going on on the PGA Tour, what's going on in their career, and we're coming down really to the best part of the season. We've got one final week, the final week of the uh, regular season, and then we'll get into the playoffs. And this is really going to be a crazy week this week. People trying to jockey for position. The higher up you are, the better off you are heading into the Northern Trust. And this week we're joined by a guy that I feel it's destiny he wins this event. It's going to be the Wyndham Championship, and we're joined by Wyndham Clark. Wyndham, thanks so much for your time, man.
1: Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I agree you're, with you. I'm you, destined to win this thing. Yeah, you got to win
0: this. I mean, you're, they don't even have to do anything. Your name's already on the trophy. It would be the easiest thing ever.
1: I'd actually save them some money. They don't have to etch it in there.
0: Have you played this event before?
1: Yeah, so I actually played, uh, I played this course, Sedgefield, uh, in junior golf. So they had the Foot Joy Invitational growing up. I played like two or three times. And then this is now my third time as a pro playing it.
0: Do you like the golf course? Does it, does it fit what you like to do as a player?
1: Um, yes and no. Like there's a lot that I do like about it. Um, the greens are fantastic. Some of the better greens we play on tour. It is definitely kind of a target golf course. So distance doesn't really, um, you know, there's really no distance bias. So basically everyone's hitting into the same spots and it's basically who can hit their short to mid irons well, and who makes the most putts. So, I mean, I've had, I haven't had the most success here, but I, I think, you know, I feel like with my game, I can play anywhere. So it's just a matter of my games there this week.
0: Yeah. This is a golf course kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, not, not necessarily by design, but by distance reminds me a little bit of Harbor Town, Yeah, uh, where it brings in guys who don't bomb it. The, 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 you know, the bombing gouge guys, which you are one of the longest hitters on tour. Some people may not know right now, currently fourth on the PGA tour in driving distance, but you're saying that being a long hitter on this course, does not exactly play to your favor.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I I think distance always plays to my favor, obviously, at any golf course. When I'm hitting a 9-iron in versus a guy hitting an 8 or 7-iron, that's obviously. But as far as me being able to cover bunkers and have wedges in when guys have to have 9-iron or 8-iron in, um, there's really none of that. There's only I can only think of maybe one, maybe two holes out here that I can actually cover bunkers that maybe other guys can't. And it's an advantage. But other than that, you pretty much hit it you know anywhere from 250 to 280 off almost every tee so there's really no it's similar to like you said Town. it's everyone's from the same spot
0: now will you be hitting some irons off tees or the, or, or most of the par four still still driver options
1: you know i'll probably hit i think we're gonna hit i might only hit four drivers this week i'll probably hit three i'll probably hit three or four three woods and then the rest would be like a three or four iron. so yeah i'm gonna be hitting a lot of lot of irons and and three woods, it. so it's it's definitely a different week than you know most weeks out here
0: now here we are on a wednesday you're saying that's your game plan is tomorrow when you tee off you're gonna hit four drivers let's say you come down to sunday and you're in the hunt does that game plan change at all or is that something that no matter what you will stick to hey we've been hitting iron off this tee all week
1: i'm a pretty big game plan guy yeah so whatever um especially on a Sunday when things are a little bit tighter. I think, you know, if we're always hitting that club, you just feel comfortable with it, then I'll do that. Um, but also there is a little bit, you know, changing things up on the fly. If you're hitting a great, you know, if I'm hitting driver and I feel awesome, I mean, I also can just go and route the course and there's certain holes I can take driver and just, you know, overpower it. Right. You know, you might do that, but typically I stick to my game plan and just hope that, you know, it's a great game plan. And if it got me into contention, then it's probably a good one. And we just want to stick with it.
0: I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we saw Cameron Champ uh, had a lead, got on 18. And, you know, the announcers always have their own way of seeing things. And they're not always right. But they were very critical of uh, Cameron hitting that driver because he did pull it left and ended up having to lay up twice to get there. And he hit an amazing wedge shot, tapped in and won the golf tournament. But they thought it would have been smarter. To not hit driver on that hole, but he had hit driver all week. So is that? Would you change that scenario? Yeah. Would you ever club down?
1: So I'm, I'm torn in certain situations. So we were actually talking about Ben Royan's um, situation last week because I just I actually just played um, some With holes today. Yeah, had the Barracuda. He he hit a uh, left off the tee box and he he had a three point lead. So similar to um, Cameron, where he had a two shot lead. I, I personally. I would play the statistics there. So yes, normally I would, pl- I would be hitting driver, but when you have that kind of lead, like especially on 18 that uh, um, at both courses, if I hit an iron off the tee, it gets rid of all the trouble. And the worst you're going to make is bogey. So I do play to my game plan a lot, but there are certain circumstances. So for instance, here, 18 at Sedgefield, you know, I have a two shot lead and I've been hitting driver or three with all week. You know, I, Shoot, I might, and if the guys are in the clubhouse, I might just hit a three or four iron, get it in play, maybe just lay up short of the green or to the front of the green, and get up and down. If I don't, I make bogey, I win the tournament by one. So, right, you know, I I'm kind of a statistics guy when it comes to that. So, you know, I I it's it worked out for both those guys, but it also could go the other way. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I think one of the more famous times we've seen in recent memory is 2019 at the Masters. Tiger got on 18. And only needed to make bogey there to win. He had a two shot lead standing on that tee So what did he do? He he laid up and hit short, chipped on the green, two putted, walked out of there with a bogey and won the master. So sometimes you're better off to change your plan when you all you need. But then I've heard guys say, I don't want to play for bogey. I'm just gonna play the way we've played it all. Yeah,
1: I mean that's actually I'm glad you brought that up. That's the best example. Tiger was the best in our game, and if the best to ever play our game is doing that, then I think that's probably a great strategy. He's always been, uh, play whatever he feels like he, or hit whatever he feels like he could get into play. And, you know, I, I mean, he's the best iron player and he's the best in so many different categories. So I think that is a prudent play. Um, but I can, I can see it both ways. I think it's all depending on the person. I just think if one of those guys did set up, on that hole and then actually made the double and went to a playoff and lost i they'd be kicking themselves like why didn't i just hit four and three and off the tee and i could have won the tournament that way right so. that makes sense
0: so this week headed into uh the windham year 79th in the fedex cup which puts you very comfortably into the first playoff event at 125 and you would need to play well to get into the bmw do you know going into this week is your goal to just try and move up some spots to get yourself comfortably into week number two.
1: Well, for sure. I mean, it's unfortunate. I've had kind of a, a tough summer uh, really ever since about Mirrorfield, I haven't played my best golf. I played awesome golf in the fall and then leading up all the way to Mirfield, I made a lot of cuts. I was hitting it good. I just wasn't getting a lot out of them out of my rounds and tournaments. Um, so coming into this week, it's more of, I just want to build momentum. Obviously, going into next week, um, hopefully into more weeks after that, but also into the fall. So I'm looking also big picture. I want to kind of gain momentum as I'm moving into the fall season. Cause like you said, I'm, you know, I'm set. I'm, I'm keeping my card. Everything's good. Right. Um, ideally, yes, I'd love to have a great week this week, try to move back into the top 70. Um, so that if I make the, you know, make the cut next week and have a decent week, I've, i set myself up to make it to the BMW. And then hopefully from there, try to get on a run. So my cat and I, we said our playoff starts here. And so this is kind of my first playoff week and, and hoping that I can reel off some great rounds and make a, a deep run.
0: I mean, it's a strong field this week at the wind we're seeing a lot of guys. I know that uh, Patrick Reed had withdrawn from the tournament. He was trying to get as many points as he could to try to get on the Ryder cup team. And I'm not sure if a, I saw somebody online say, maybe he got a phone call that said, Hey, you know what? You don't really need to play so many events maybe you takes some time off because he's going to get maybe one of those captains
1: picks. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I didn't hear that. So, but yeah, it is a good field. Yeah. It's
0: a very good field this week. Do you like playing in a stronger field event like this? Does it, does it make you feel better to, Hey, I'm gauging my game against the best there are.
1: Yeah. I always like playing whenever there's a good field. Cause you know, one, obviously that improves the world ranking points. So the better you play the, you know, higher up you move in the world rankings. And, uh, but also it's just, you know, I want to play where the best are playing and play against the best. And, um, you know, when there's weaker fields, it's not that it, I don't really think of it that way, but it definitely is nice. When it is a big field, you kind of, I don't know. It gets me extra focused
0: right now, next week when you're at the Northern trust and you know, where you stand in the, in the FedEx cup points, and you're coming down the stretch, are you or maybe you have your caddy scoreboard watching and say, hey, I know we need to finish here. This is where we are to try to get into next week. Is that something you're monitoring? Or do you just go out there and play your best golf and just let the cards fall where they may? Yeah,
1: you know, we were in a similar position my rookie year. I I made it in. I was like, I want to say I was like one tenth or one fifteenth going into Northern Trust, my rookie year. I ended up making it to the BMW and I finished like, I don't know, top 20 or top 15, whatever it was, and made it to the BMW. And he was definitely monitoring that. I wasn't as much. Um, he would just basically, there were some times I remember, um, you know, on the back nine where he's like, hey, I think, I think it's smart if we just hit this shot here on this hole versus something maybe we've done throughout the week because he's like, hey, we just, need, we just need more looks and we need a lot of greens. We do not need to do, you know, so he was kind of monitoring that. Honestly, I've kept my card. I'm in a great spot. Right. Um, I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to really go out there and just swing for the fences and, and I want to try to, I want to try to win tournaments. So I'm not going to really try to, you know, Oh, I need to go finish 15th or better. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try to win a tournament. And, and if that results in me doing well and making it to the BMW or the tour championship grade, and if not, then I have next season. So, uh, right. I'm kind of looking at it more from that, that standpoint now that it's my third year I kind of want to go out there and I want to get a, a win or I just want to be in contention. That, that feeling being in contention is, is the best. I mean, those nerves and, you know, the people watching and just everything you just get so zoned in and you kind of get addicted to, to that feeling. And I, I had, it's been a while, it's been shoot three, four months since I've even been close to contention. So I kind of want to get back into contention. That's really one of my goals these next few weeks is just to have a chance come to back nine on Sunday. Maybe
0: you can speak to this because I know you've got a second place finish this year and you've also got a T8 as well. How hard is it to win on the PGA Tour?
1: Yeah, it's, you know it's funny is the more and more I'm out here, it is it is really hard. I, I think there's guys that win that sometimes people are shocked, like I can't believe that guy won or, he, or guy had been playing terrible all year and then he wins when he's playing good. Um, and then there's guys like, for instance, I mean, Sam Burns, sneaky could have, could be the player of the year. I mean, I think been in contention like 10 times this year. He's he's been in the final group so many times. He's only had one win. Um, And that just shows you, I mean, I think he literally has been in the final group seven or eight times and only has one win. So it just goes to show it's, it's very hard to win out here. And when guys win multiple times in a career or in a year, like it's, it's harder than I think people think it is. Um, There's so many good golfers and you out here, you can't go and shoot even part of the weekend and win anymore. No, you have to be you have to be under par and you have to play just as good as you did the first three days. So it is very tough. Um, you know, I I believe and know I'm going to win out here. It's just a matter of time. And, you know, there's a lot to when it's your week, it's your week. And I just haven't quite had that yet. So,
0: yeah, I mean, you see guys like Harris English. Uh, it took him a long time to get his his first win, but then he's played really, really well this year. He's won twice, been in contention. We know what happened this past week, and Abraham answer gets his first victory yep. at the tournament you were at. Ben Roylean gets his first first win. We're seeing a lot of guys get their first victories, but then at the same time, Harris this week. I'm I'm not sure. Maybe you can speak to this. I'm not sure if I feel like Harris lost that tournament this week, or if. Abraham answer went out and took it and it feels more like the first because of the circumstances that happened around Harris.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I didn't actually watch the tournament. I know he did make, he had a couple in the water or something on one of the holes. Obviously it a tough hole. Um, you know, I saw see made a big number, a bunch of guys watched yeah. that hole. Um, but yeah, you know, it's so hard. I mean, clearly the guy has won this year. So it's not like, it's not for lack of, of, you know talent having it factor or whatever right. it is it it's just that hard i mean you, at our level and with how good how many good players that are if you do make mistakes you're probably not going to win the tournament so you know i like i said i didn't really watch it so i don't know exactly what happened i am friends with abe and i'm glad he pulled that off and you know it's awesome seeing seeing him get his first win um but yeah i, I didn't i didn't watch it so
0: but as far as uh, so some of the things that happened were, I think on the sixth hole, Bryson needed a ruling and that kind of slowed them down. Then they were on the clock. Then they got a second warning. And I'm not sure how many warnings you get before they start start taking strokes off, but have you ever been in a group that's been put on the clock?
1: Yeah, um, I got to be very careful here because I have, uh, I've played with some players and I've played with Bryson and especially I played with Bryson in the final group one time and um, I'm not talking him specifically but in general i think it's it's very hard especially in the final round when things are heightened and you're already kind of a little more anxious than maybe the other days and every shot matters so much more it is very tough even though you try to not let it affect you when you get put on the clock or when you get warned even though you're about to win a tournament and even if it ends up being a fine it doesn't matter because you're about to win a tournament um it it does kind of change a little bit um it affected me uh in one of the tournaments i was with this player and we got put on the clock we were two holes behind and i was leading the tournament after nine holes going in the back nine on sunday and i just sped up just this much because Mm -hmm. i felt a little bit like it just happened and next thing you know i end up finishing i had i got a top five out of it but it was very frustrating because we were so far behind and i felt like i had to rush to Compensate for his slow play, and so it does make a difference. And I think it's it's unfortunate that someone can have that effect on you um, when you're playing. I'd like to think I'm mentally stronger than that, and obviously that's just something you got to get better at. But it is, I think, it can be a very selfish thing when you are. There are only a handful of guys out here that are very slow, and it's. Uh, you know, we're all abiding by what the place or pace of play procedures are. And they're not, I think mean, it's just kind of, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say too much and get in trouble here.
0: Oh no, I agree a hundred percent. I understand a hundred percent Norton and nor do I want you to, but is it, it when that scenario happens, can you say something to the person you're playing with? Like, Hey, you're slowing us down. How do we speed this up? Is there a way to do that? Or you, or you just have to worry about yourself.
1: Yeah. You know, I, That could, I think, that could lead to some some discrepancies because they're obviously in contention too. So, you know, I don't know. Depending on the player, right? um, And your relationship with the player, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you could ruin a relationship if you kind of say, "Hey, man, you're." If you said, I mean, if you said it in a really nice way, I don't think he could get too mad, and maybe after round he would apologize if he did. But at the same time, he could get on edge and then be like you know, why, why are you coming at me like that? And then right. he hits a couple bad shots and then next thing, you know, he's, it's he's your cussing, fault. Yeah. <laughs> he's cussing you out. So, right. And
0: then he slows got, down even more because now he knows he's not going to win. And he's like, well, screw this guy. I'll slow down more.
1: A hundred percent. So it, it's a, it's a very tough situation. I just think, I think you just got to get, uh, you know, and if I was in that position again, I would really just, you know what, I'm just going to go as slow as him. I don't care if I get a penalty or not. It wouldn't be a shot penalty. I don't care if I get a fine. I'm just going to go at his pace. I'm going to go take extra bathroom breaks. I'm going to look – take as long as I want, looking at my yards book, whatever it is, right. and just slow everything down because I typically play fast. And when you get with a slow player, especially in that situation, it's – it is, a, you know, it is tough. I mean, it's definitely something I need to work on.
0: Yeah, Harris said they were running from uh, green to tee. In between holes, they were basically
1: running to the tee Yeah, box. see, and that's – that. it's honestly – that, see, that just pit, that just pisses me off. It's not fair because Harris is not a slow player by any means. No. By any means. And it's just unfortunate that that, that happens. Um, you know, I understand. I do understand taking your time because we are playing, for one, our job. And, you know, it's a lot of money on the line. And and there's, you know, I'll, I'll, you can go through the list of what, what it means. Um, but when 90-some percent of the guys play to a certain speed and there's only a small percentage that play to a – another speed, I I just think I wish the tour could do something to right, you know, obviously penalty strokes is very severe, but in those situations, if it's clearly one player, it's like, hey, you're about to get a stroke penalty. You better pick it up. So
0: that's the only way it's going to get fixed. I mean, because I don't think slow play is a huge problem. However, when it affects the outcome of a tournament, then therefore it is a big problem.
1: A thousand percent hundred percent. And like for someone that, you know, is a top 20 30 player in the world if you find him 20 i hate to say this but you find him 20 to fifty thousand, or hundred thousand dollars, when he has a chance to win a million he's like whatever okay. I'm fine right. to win this right now you put a stroke penalty i'm pretty sure he's gonna go oh now that's real and so uh, whoever it is i think then he'll play faster and and i think the rules official should come up to that person specifically not the other guy correct right? and say hey you know what i know you're not they should actually. This should be procedure. They should go up to the guy that's playing normal speed and say, "Hey, I know you're playing. You know, you're playing good." It's the other guy, here's we This is what we're gonna do. You continue doing what you're doing. If he doesn't, this is what's gonna happen. So don't worry about it. That is how they should handle it. Because absolutely, I think that would have calmed down Harris. He probably wins the turn.
0: Do you think there's a reason they they don't handle it that way?
1: Yeah, I I think I think they're too. Um, A stroke penalty, I mean, so let's put it, obviously that's some of the best players in the world, so it's not that big of a deal. But now let's put it in a situation like this, a guy here at the Wyndham that's trying to keep his card, keep playing for his livelihood. And he's coming in this week at 145, and he is in third place, and he needs a third place or better to get his card. And then you come in and you add it, potentially you get a stroke penalty. I think they're concerned that if they did give him a stroke penalty and it cost him from keeping his card, or something like that, I think the backlash from that right. would be worse than the other way. But, so, But I think that's
0: how you fix it. I think that's how you would – I think if that happened 100%. a couple times, you, you you would nip slow play very, very fast.
1: 100%. And, and it should be something that they should start at the beginning of the year, not obviously, Right. Okay, let's start it this week. And right. so everyone knows it. Then that person that's in the situation I just explained, he would already know and know that that's – all right, well, that's going to happen if I do this. So, right. I agree. I mean, unless you made the fines just astronomical, which also would be unfair because there's some good, there's some fast players that get on the clock because they're behind. And then wind picks up and then they end up taking two minutes instead of the normal 30 seconds because they have to change clubs or whatever. So, yeah, I I, I really wish they could monitor better what happened prior to them getting the slopes. so penalize
0: penalize the person that's causing the problem not the group because one guy in the group probably wants to play faster he wants to get done yeah he's not trying to slow down especially if if you're a fast player you can look over 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 a period of time and see which guys are tend to be slower players and which guys tend to be hey let's hit the ball and move on
1: yeah you know what actually i just thought this would be a great way to do it is like imagine so we have all these volunteers out here and you have a walking scorer you have whatever Well, what if they got an extra 50 60 70 volunteers and have them just be literally clocking people Mm -hmm. and create all this data of okay you know what Wyndham plays hits on average every shot at 42 seconds and so they have this data so then when a team gets or sorry a group gets on the clock they look and go okay this guy this guy normally play this and they're behind so it can't be them this other guy though plays on average a minute and 10 seconds every shot so that they just know that ahead of time yeah, we're a data-driven sport, so let's, exactly. let's get more data. Uh, 100%. I think that'd be a great way to do it, so then when they when a rules official comes up, he doesn't affect the two guys or the one guy that is playing. He more goes straight to the guy says, hey, you know what? You guys are on the clock. It's because of you. You got to pick it up.
2: Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter weighting designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is their highest performance ball to date, and with their full suit of golf balls they are transforming the game for players of all skill sets visit encoregolf.com backslash travis fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game now back to the strap show podcast
0: yeah i mean some guys are slow slow play it takes them forever to pull the trigger and then other guys are slow play because it's just it just so much talking with the caddy and data and this and that and the other and whatever it is the result is still slow play but you said that you've You've played with Bryson in the past. Have you witnessed the the fan heckling problem that has become a problem with Bryson?
1: No, I have not. You um, didn't. Granted, this when I have played, I played Bryson now probably two or three times. I'm Trying to think, last time, I think a lot of this was maybe prior to. I call it BB before Brooks. <laughs> yes, I so all of it was before Brooks. Um, honestly, I mean. Bryson's definitely a fan favorite. There's people that come out and they're yelling go Bryson and all of yeah. stuff. So I've never seen the heckling. Um you know my thought to that is I I played other sports. So have have to me I think have thicker skin and I mean every other sport you don't think Kobe goes into he went into a gym and they were screaming all right. different things or you don't think you know you don't think Aaron Rodgers goes into playing the Vikings and they're still yelling stuff. I mean, I get it. It's golf, but yeah. with the fact that we have fans and they're allowed to make noise, it's bound to happen. So, um, now if it's in his backswing, that's oh, absolutely that's wrong. Uh, that's that's wrong. Yeah, there's no place for that. Yeah. No place for that. But if it's in between shots or walking down the fairway, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's yelled at us. You just got to not hear it and keep going and whatever. Um, so I'm not in his position. I don't have people heckling, heckling me, but, um, so I, I guess I'm not the best person to ask, right. but I have not experienced it. No.
0: Right. You are fourth in driving distance, as I mentioned earlier on the tour for the entire season. And I mean, that's, that's incredible being fourth. Is that something that you've always, you've always been a long hitter? Or is that something that you've kind of built up to recently has just, you know, just become yeah, so big? I've,
1: I've kind of always hit it pretty far. Even in college, I was definitely one of the longer guys on my team. Um, and then, you know, my senior year, I was definitely one of the longer guys in college golf. And then I got out here. And in college, I mean, guys are hitting it so much farther in college than they're doing the pros. And Really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'd say – on my college golf teams, almost everybody was between 170, you know, 77 to like 185 ball speed. All wow. of them. So I think, uh, but I, what happens is I think, and that, that's a new wave. I, I'm telling you, you, you watch in the next five to eight years of all the new college kids coming up, 180 will roughly be not quite the norm, but that'll just be like, oh, okay. He's 180. Um, I just think the sports getting so much more athletic guys in college, the distance thing. I think everyone's kind of doing it. Um, but yeah, when I got here, I couldn't believe everyone was just gawking and how far I hit the ball. And I was like, Oh, this is just normal. Um, but what did happen is I made a little bit of a, and I think this is what a lot of college players do is you tone it back. So when we play college tournaments, fairways are 40 yards wide. There's no rough. You can just literally send it. You hit it in the rough bad angle you can hit it to 15 feet and still make birdie out here fairways are 20 yards 25 yards wide rough is really thick greens are super firm pins are tucked three paces instead of six paces in college and you can't get at those flags and so i think it's a lot of players i did this i was you know mid 180s and i came out here and after my first year into my second year i was like 78 to 82 because I was trying to tone it back to just get it in play. Um, Then as my game evolved and my swing has evolved and I've gotten better off the tee and my accuracy and everything, now I've ramped it back up a little bit. Um, But yeah, I've kind of always had distance and it's definitely, I think, for me, a huge competitive advantage at most courses when I can fly something 310, 315 and other guys have to lay up short and I have a sand wedge in and they have Um, 8-arm. It's definitely... A huge advantage it's one of my keys to my success for sure
0: are you happy with where you're hitting the ball now or are you always trying to gain a little more distance when you and uh, Boyd are working together
1: yeah so Boyd my coach we at the end of the fall I was in a great spot I was like I don't know f- 15th on the money list after the fall and I was secured my card I already had whatever points but like that's gonna secure a card um, and I was like hey we're hit. my swing feels good let's actually let's maybe try some I'm working out really hard in the gym let's try to gain some distance and I was probably in the fall and which I'm roughly the same now as I was averaging probably 84 to 87 basically every just driver I was like let's try to get some let's see if we can train to get up in the 90s well we did two days of it and I was like 88 to 90 on my pretty fast ones um then we got a couple over 90 and then Next, you know, about four days later, I couldn't hit a seven iron where I wanted, and you know, and I'm spraying the ball left and right, and I kind of got frustrated. And then Boyd and I backtracked. We said, you know, hitting at eighty five, one eighty five is pretty darn fast, and that's good. Let's just, for for me, it's more important to hit it and play. Uh, I think Bryson, with you know, to give him credit, he his swing is so fundamentally sound, and he's prior to him hitting it far, he was one of the most accurate players on tour. I think he can continue to push the limits because of how he swings the golf club. He's always hit it so flipping straight that if he just continues to hit, you know, swing the same way, it's great for me, my levels start changing. So my head dips down, I start compensating and then it feeds into my iron play and wedges. And then next thing you know, I can't find the golf course. So I'm probably gonna approach a different route of more in the gym than I am gonna do swing stuff. Um, if I can get faster and stronger and continue to get more mobile in the gym, I'm hoping that you know my average 185 sneaks up to 188 just by right. me working out and being physically fit and whatever. And if not, then that's fine. I think yeah,
0: 185 is still fine. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think 185 for the next 10, 15 years is still gonna be fast and. Um, I still think I'll be one of the longest players. So I'm more focused on trying to hit more greens and and hit it closer. You
0: know, as much as I enjoy watching you on the golf course and watching golf, your social media feed is a lot of fun in that it's not just golf. Wyndham Clark does a lot of other things and you have a lot of fun. And I think that that's something that everybody in America could stand right now is we all seem to be focused so hard on our our livelihood and working and working and working that we're not playing enough. You like to get out and play. You like to go fishing. you like to go hunting. Is that your, that's your release off the golf course?
1: Yeah. So just the way the schedule worked out, if you looked at the whole year, I actually played 10 out of 11 weeks. Um, I mean, that's an absolute grind. I never suggest anyone to ever do that. I was playing really good golf and I was hitting it good, and I was like, you know, I like these courses. Then I I got into the PGA, then I got into the US Open, and it just, next thing you know, it was a 10 out of 11 weeks. Um, And because we played so many and my card was locked up, I was like, you know, I need a little break. Um, And so I kind of set up my summer that way to where I had, I think I had five or six weeks off this summer. And I'm like, I live in Scottsdale. It's 100 and whatever degrees. What are you going to do? And so I set up some trips, and next thing you know, I find myself – at the Celebrity Pro Am in Tahoe, that looked and like I, fun. Yeah, it was a blast. I mean, I've I haven't been a spectator for a golf tournament in so many years, and next thing you know I'm I'm there, and I was outside the ropes. I'm like, this is kind of weird. Um, now, did you want to jump in the ropes and hit a shot? It had you. You had to get that itch at least once. <laughs> I, I did a little. I hit a few shots. We didn't we didn't post any of them, but I did hit a few shots. Um, but it was fun just because I'm hanging out with the guys and I'm inside the ropes and like now I'm in their position where they're watching. You know they're usually watching me, and so I was watching them, and um, it was just more of a fun thing. I was casual with friends, had a few pops drinking, and it was yeah. it was great. Um, then I went from there to uh, it was, this was an all world week, by the way. I went from Vail for Fourth of July, to then the Celebrity Pro Am in Tahoe, nice. to then flew up with some buddies to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, wow. and fish for a day, and then the next day we flew to Vegas for the McGregor Poirier fight wow and that literally was none of that was planned
0: it sounds like the hangover <laughs>
1: Oh, it was. Rough. Oh, I, I needed a detox for sure um but we literally went from we just planned on going to celebrity pro-am and then that turned into tahoe or sorry into um jackson hole which turned into the fight and it was the best trip that was never planned um and then went played a tournament then the following week i went to alaska so uh, where'd you go in alaska King salmon. Um, I went just fishing for seven days straight. It was the most unreal trip. I, we saw 70, 80 grizzly bear caught hundreds and hundreds of of fish and it was an all world best trip of my life kind of thing. And so, yeah, it is by design. I try to have outlets. Um, we play and travel so much out here and I don't think, I don't think a lot of people understand or appreciate how much of a grind that can be. Yes, we play golf for a living We travel great places and it's very lavish and it's nice compared to, let's say, being working your normal nine to five job. I get I get yeah. that. But there's also I mean, you're away from your home three, right. four weeks in a row. You're sleeping in hotel rooms. You're traveling all the time. You're grinding out in the sun day in and day out. So when you do get some time off, it's kind of nice to have a release. And for me, that's kind of traveling doing fun things and then also fishing so fishing is my biggest release i love to fly fish and um i've had a lot i've had a great summer fly fishing and now i need to zone back in and start playing some golf and play some good golf
0: no but it's good to see that you place the importance upon taking some Wyndham time like taking time to yourself get out do what you love to do you can stand on a driving range and grind all day long but you've got to have some time to get away from and put the clubs away and just go have some you time
1: Oh, hundred percent, and you know, and it's fun too. With you know, some of the positive social media, as I can go and show a bunch of you know these fun trips um, and posting some of that stuff. Some of it I can't post. I wish I could. Um, I might lose some sponsors by <laughs> posting it, but you know, it's uh, you might gain a few too, though. You never yeah, know, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. But it's uh, yeah, it, so it's a it's a really fun uh, fun gig. I, I love what I do and. Uh, I definitely enjoy my off weeks. That's for sure.
0: And that's a good thing. That's what makes it all worth it. You know, you work, work hard and play harder. Yeah, um, exactly. When you were at Oak state, we had, we had uh, your college teammate, Taylor Gooch on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago, super nice dude. And he said that you guys had a really good time at Oak state. I mean, that, that, that has been a, a, a like a, just a factory of PGA tour players.
1: Yeah. Actually, I think I saw a stat um God, we have maybe like 14 or 15 out here right now that are current PJ tour players. And it is, I mean, it's parentally the best, the best school for golf. And, you know, obviously in the recent years you have guys like Wolf and, and Victor just coming out and having tons of success. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's great. I mean, Taylor and I had so much fun together. We competed a ton. We're really good friends off the golf course too. And, um, Yeah. Even though he
0: stood you up at the team event this year, we won't get into that though. Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) You know, it worked out well because they missed the cut. We finished whatever and had a better finish than them. So, you know, it's I'll always hold Taylor. I'll hold that on him, but it's, (laughs) we're still buddies and you know, it won't affect our relationship. Now you transferred to Oregon and played some as well too, right? Just one year. Yeah. I was just, uh, just one year played for Casey Martin. We had, it was actually my best year. Um, As a college player, I was Pac-12 player of the year, and then we lost in the finals um, for nationals, and it was a great year. And so it's funny, as I'm equally a cowboy as I am a duck, and, um, you know, obviously I spent more time, and I have maybe some more ties to Oklahoma State, but, uh, you know, I, I love both schools.
0: All right, now playing on the tour, and obviously you went to two schools that are very big in football. I'm a huge college football fan as well. I'm an SEC guy. Oh, there you go. Uh, so there's a lot of your uh, Georgia, there's a lot of Georgia Bulldogs on tour. Yeah, tons. tons. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Gator fan, there and you go. Uh, so we we're definitely tuned in on the weekends to college football. When, when you're playing on tour, is there any checking the scores? You have your caddy checking the scores at all? Of your of, of your teams? Oh, 100%.
1: percent. We're actually going uh, another. So this is in between tour championship and our first win. Away- Week in Napa, I think. Okay. Um, the Oregon plays Ohio State, our second game of the year. Yeah. So we're going down. Me and some friends and my caddy, who went to University of Oregon, we're all flying down to watch the Duck game. Um, and then Bo Hogue went to Ohio State. We got a little wager on on the game. He's going to be there too. Um, and then later in the year, I'm going to go to an OSU game or, or Oklahoma State game. So oh, I'm nice. very tuned with the football if it's a big game a hundred percent we'll be walking you know don't get me in trouble but my caddy walking down the fairway he'll lift <laughs> up the yardage book has the phone in there That's right he'll say hey we're up 28 10 i go good good news all right let's keep going so go. we definitely look at the scores and uh, i'm a huge huge football fan
0: yeah i am too i love love the gators and i'm a huge Tampa Bay buccaneers fan as well so it was, yeah
1: i can't wait to get back to a game and to see live college football can't wait yeah it was uh
0: my son and I attended the super bowl this year and watched Brady win his seventh ring with the bucks. And it was, that's pretty cool. It was the most unbelievable night. I tell people, I still don't believe the bucks won the super bowl and I still don't believe that Tom Brady's our quarterback, but I know both are real, Uh, but it just (laughs) seems too good to be true. Yeah, it really is unreal. Um, Speaking of the us open, as we were talking about earlier, you playing in majors, you qualified for the U S open, how difficult, because I don't think that was your first U S open qualifier, correct?
1: Yeah, no, that was my first U.S. Open, but not my first qualifier. I started doing – this might be early for – or young, I would say, for most kids. But my dad at 13 or 14 signed me up for a U.S. Open local. and I think I was 13, and I I missed it. And then when I was 14, I actually made it through locals. I went to a sectional, missed it. And then from then on, like I've made it to sectionals probably, I don't know, eight times. And multiple times I would say – yeah, I mean, I, I bet you I've I've missed by one or two shots six of those eight times. So I've been wow. very, very close. And, you know, the tough thing is is you always think it's better or more than what it is, you know. And so you go to this – you think it's going to be 10 under and then you're playing and you're at 7 under – and you're coming down the last few and you're trying to make whatever and you end up making a bogey and you finish at six under and it actually was seven under that's in a playoff and um you know and just the grind of 36 holes after especially as a tour player you know most of us are coming from Mirfield, and so you played a full tournament and then right. you have to play 36 and it's so hard to mentally stay focused for those last it's really those last nine to 15 holes it's like a absolute grind but you did um, it this year yeah I did this year it was honestly one of my more you know bigger moments this year that I actually that I hold on to because I've been trying so long and um it's just fun to finally get that off my back so now when I go qualify in in future years I don't think I'll have as much of a a stigma on it of you know I've tried so many times I've never made it Now that I've made it, it's kind of off my back, and I feel like I'll I'll make tons, and hopefully I get in world ranking-wise and don't have to worry about it, but it it is a grind. I mean, there's guys that don't even try to qualify because it's just not even worth going through the 36 holes and then getting your face beat in at the Open. So, um, yeah, I was definitely excited that I made it this year, that's for sure. But at the
0: Open, I know you, uh, during your practice round, you had an expensive hole. You made a hole-in-one and had to buy everybody drinks that night.
1: Yeah, that was actually the PGA. That was the PGA. That oh, was the PGA. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. So the PGA. Akiwa. I, I yeah. Akiwa. It was actually, it's it's still, I mean, granted, it was a practice storm, but it still goes down as one of my best shots in my life. It was blowing, as everyone saw, it was blowing that whole week, 20, 20 plus every day. And it's a thick wind. And seventeen's one of the harder whole par threes we play in in professional golf. And it was just great that I was with some other players there was some media obviously people watching and then colton nose was right there and you know i just i hit a perfect shot and everyone in the air goes oh it looks like when buying drinks and it's literally on camera people saying that and yeah. then it lands and it goes in and unfortunately i had tons of witnesses and i still have people texting me saying hey i haven't gotten my drink yet i i you know i need them so Fortunately, I made the cut that week, so I can I can uh, offset that by <laughs> by that. But uh, it was definitely it was definitely a pretty awesome moment.
0: That is cool. Now, what is something you and Boyd are working on right now in your swing? Is there any one thing you're working on, one major swing thought as you as you head into this week and into the playoffs?
1: Yeah, you know what's been nice is I, I like I said I've been I played a really good stretch of golf where I was hitting it awesome. I just wasn't making putts, and we had one swing thought of I was weak in my grip a little bit. And I was trying to actually, I have a tendency of closing, um, the face off the ball. And mm-hmm. I had a cut, so I don't ever want my face to be shut coming into the ball. I, w- I always want it a touch open so that I can produce a cut. And so I was shutting like this. So we actually tried to get me to feel this sensation of opening it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that worked for, you know, 10-15 weeks and it was awesome I was hitting it great I get here this week and it that wasn't feeling so good and what happened so what we're working on currently is my right arm because I was weak in my grip my right arm got too high so we we're trying to actually get my right arm a little bit softer little softer under yeah. my left which um got me because I was hitting kind of a pull that sometimes was drawing and when I hit a fade that's like the worst shot you can hit and so we got my arm right arm a little bit under and then my last six holes today in my uh, practice round, I, I was hitting, I was striping it. So um, it's such a crazy game. It, it,
0: it makes me feel better uh, as an amateur to hear that you had the same thing happens to, to, to you guys. I go out one day and I, oh, I figured it out. I got it. I'm going to play yeah. so good now. And then I go back to the golf course the next day and it's like, what was working that day isn't working now. It's, it's, I
1: know. It's and, and we even have, I mean, it, it baffles me. I used to, when I watch golf all the time, I'm like, how do these guys ever hit it off when they have a coach watching them? every single week and i find myself now where my coach is out here a ton and i have weeks where i'm just it's not there and it's it just is it's baffling like I, how can i hit it so good for so long and it's so easy and then it just gets off it's it is it's a very humbling sport so um but it is nice when you get in that groove when you have it those are the fun weeks because then you're not worried about golf swing it's just hey let's just see let's hit it exactly what we want and let's see how low we can go
0: right well good luck to you this week good luck in the uh fedex cup playoffs next week we're going to talk to one of your pxg guys i know you're a big pxg guy and yep. next week we've got uh, hudson swafford on next week Yep, great dude great and dude. Uh, so he is to us we'll talk some about uh pxg with him and and uh get his take on the fedex cup playoffs i believe he's uh, gonna make it into the second week as well so lots of good golf to be had. And we've got Ryder cup coming up and, and the fall series and the, the fall series seems to be getting better fields every single year.
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, now the, well, I think what people realize is you can't skip out on the fall because if you, let's say if you only play a couple of them and you regardless of how you play starting in the California swing, you're so far behind, you're right. You know, you're the, playing catch up you're a hundred percent and that's, you know, it's hard to make up 800 points in a, in a season or whatever it is. So um, I definitely think guys are seeing that. Um, you know, I think a lot of us would like more off time, uh, but I love the fall series. And I definitely, I try to take advantage of it. it. It helped me this year. I made, I don't know, 400, 500 points in the fall. And um, you know, that's so nice when you can do that. Cause in the rest of the year, it's like, all right, I can pick and choose whatever event I want. And kind of makes it more relaxed and you can have, fun trips like I did this summer and enjoying
0: them. So you did. So make sure you check out Wyndham on social media on Instagram at Wyndham Clark. Trust me. It's a fun follow. There's a nice mixture of golf and then good times to be had with him and his buddy. So uh, yeah. give him a follow. Wyndham, thank you so much for your time, man. Good luck to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you guys so much for listening to another edition of the Stripe show podcast. We will see you next week.